The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Triple Threat Podcast, getting ready here for a big weekend and episode number 93 on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad and as always I'm joined by my tag team partner from the two-man power trip, the one and only JP John Paz and on this show he's gearing up, he's getting ready to hit the road and get down I-95 into Richmond, Virginia. He is the one and only franchise Shane Douglas. Shane, how's it going tonight? Good, man. Just getting ready for the weekend. Looking forward to it. Francine and I have a few little tricks up our sleeve, like always, and plan on taking Richmond by storm. <laughs> you know, that could mean anything, because I just uh, ended up in a rabbit hole the last couple days watching uh, your exploits from the last weeks of 1996. So when you two put your heads together... I don't know. Bad things could happen. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, we've been talking about it for weeks on both shows, Two-Man Power Trip as well as Triple Threat. The big TMPT Con 3 coming this weekend, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express. Shane and Francine's first ever pairing for anything wrestling-related in the great city of Richmond, Virginia. I mean, just so much going on. And then... Out of left field, the great news that Dominic Danucci is going to be joining us. So always fun to see Dominic. So we've got 18 great stars from all different genres of the wrestling world, all different territories, different eras, world champions, Hall of Famers. Shane, you've talked about conventions ad nauseum on this show. We know how much fun they are. But I don't know. This one has a kind of special vibe to it. And I don't know about you. I don't know, John, we've been putting so much work into it. I'm just happy this weekend's coming. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, first of all, anytime, you know, how many times I've talked about on this show and other interviews, uh, you know, for me, being around the ECW family uh, is like a family reunion. So, you know, this weekend, of course, we have just incredible uh, Jerry Lynn and Sandman and, of course, Man Francine. And I'm going to have both best of both worlds because Dominic Danucci, uh, you know, I, I keep saying it on Twitter, you know, we throw the word legend and icon and, you know, all that kind of stuff around way too easily in this business. Uh, Dominic Danucci is the real deal. I mean, aside from, 
you know, being the, one of the last surviving members of, of that incredible generation of talented wrestlers. Uh, he, he's my trainer. He's, he's really like a second father to me. I love traveling with him. Uh, you just cut up the whole time and it takes me back to being a kid in the business. So it's going to be a hell of a weekend. Looking forward to it. And, and like I've been saying on Twitter, I'm, I'm really going to mark out because, uh, for the midnight express is 35th anniversary, because when I first got my break on the road, uh, they of course were in, uh, UWF mid South, uh, right as it was transitioning. Uh, I spent a ton of time around Dennis Condry and all those guys. Uh, and of course later worked with Stan and Bobby. So anytime you can see those guys, it's always great. It brings back a lot of great memories. So adding Dominic added a cool little wrinkle to this. If you kind of break it down, we've got representatives from the WWWF, the WWF, the WWE, the NWA slash Jim Crockett promotions, ECW, TNA, Glow and WCW. I mean, if you're talking about major promotions and everybody, come on, stopped in the AWA at some point. So we'll throw them on the list too. But you talk about every major United States promotion to be mentioned on that list. And that's pretty damn impressive. And that's why I cannot wait for this weekend to come. Yeah, look, it's, it's really set up well. And I, I see that, you know, a lot of people talking about it online and looking forward to getting down there. Of course, I was as you guys know, I was absent last year uh, after having been booked and getting pulled because of double bookings. Uh, looking forward to being back. It's been a couple of years for me, so looking forward to it. So, fantasy booking really quick. You and Steamboat don the tights one more time. You get to step in there with the rock and roll or any version of the Midnights. Who are you picking? Uh, do a three-way dance. Oh. It's, uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I, I would love to have worked. I never got the chance to work with midnight with Dennis Condry. So I would, you know, love rock and roll express, you know, Ricky and Robert are always great to be around, but you know, for me, that'd be like a classic mark out moment for me to be able to be in the ring with Dennis Condry. If we can get somebody to put up the right amount of money, we sure could get steamer to uh, put on those tights. I'm sure. And on the rock and roll and then the franchise, you guys are still active. So maybe uh, one can dream that, you know, maybe there's a uh, a dream. I, I know you've actually taken on the rock and roll with a uh, a few different partners. There's one specifically with C.W. Anderson I remember seeing about a year or so ago. And it's yep. always it's always something, man. It's always great when you see these classic pairings and you guys, you know, the guys that know how to work and get in that ring, man, you can put on a great show no matter what year it is or what age or what decade or wherever promotion it is. You guys know what to do stepping through those ropes. And you never know what's going to happen, so... You know, just tune in, uh, make sure you're there on Saturday because uh might be a hell of a tag team match breakout somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now, as we get into the episode itself, we got a couple topics we want to cover. Um, next week on the show, we're going to take it, not easy, but we're going to, it's going to be easy for you because all you got to do is sit there and wait for the episode. But we're going to tap into the Ask Franchise Anything mailbag. It's been a little while since we've done a full episode of Just Ask Franchise Anything, but we kind of figure coming off such a big weekend like it's going to be this uh, this coming weekend that, you know what, next weekend let's, uh, let's have a little bit of fun. Let's see what the fans got to ask and uh, kind of let you just sit back, relax, and kind of dial into the old franchise brain there. Yeah, if I can remember it. It's just make brush some cobwebs out of the way and see what we can dig out of the uh of those uh, deep recesses of my <laughs> of my my brain. <laughs> We're gonna disqualify anything that has to do with the year nineteen ninety five, 
Shawn Michaels, uh, Vince McMahon, and and Ric Flair. How about that? Let's make it interesting, folks. Let's get some amazing questions out here that we haven't asked the franchise yet. Yeah, oh, why not? I mean, it's uh, besides, what more can I possibly say about the subjects that hasn't been said uh, a million times already? Exactly. No, that's without a doubt. So now we're going to tap into some uh, more current affairs, and I want to get John in here right now because John – uh, being, I, I think more the resident guy who has his finger on the pulse as to what's going on right now, uh, with these mainstream promotions, we didn't even get a chance to throw this on the list. I'm kind of throwing a curveball uh, before we get into the, the list here on the show. And that is John, this AEW with TNT, uh, signing that's kind of, uh, popped up here the last couple of days. It's been rumored for a while, but how do you think this is going to change the landscape as to what's going on with, uh, the wrestling world here in the next couple of months? Well, I think it's pretty big, and it's definitely a huge acquisition. Obviously, everybody remembers Nitro and WCW being on TNT, and that basically changing the wrestling landscape, dominating WWF for over a little bit over two years, pretty much, and then they were neck and neck, and then WWF obviously pulled away. But if you think about it, that competition from WCW really made the WWF better, and obviously you got to think that the competition from AEW may make the WWE better, or at least you think it should. But the big thing going into it was everyone saying, oh, AEW, they're nothing without TV, they're nothing without TV. Well, now they got TV, and they have a huge backing with uh, you know Time Warner, whatever the hell they want to call themselves now. Um, being on TNT is just huge, and I feel like that is a great leap forward. And you figure with Jericho and with Dustin Rhodes, you do have a couple good veterans that have name value and strong presence that can help the, you know, that, that fan that's kind of on the border. Or, you know, do they do they want to watch? And then add that into the fact that the Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega already have their crazy fan base and their crazy following. I feel like it's going to do really, really well. I mean, I think a lot of people have that prediction, but I just think it's going to make WWE step up their game big time because God knows they need to. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's uh, the, the show's been abysmal lately. I mean, it's been abysmal for a long time, but the numbers we're seeing coming out of WWE are, are really stunning, especially as they're getting ready to launch into their Fox uh uh, debut and you know starting up the new NBC Universal contract, you know they really seem to be uh, withering right now. And and you know the product when you watch it, if you watch it, uh, you know why it, it it certainly speaks for itself. So right now the the table is set. The question is, will AEW come in and do what they have to do to make it a competition? Like I said on Twitter earlier. You know, is is it finally going to be time after so many years of one product and just watching the business we love just sort of flush right down the turlet? Uh, is it going to be finally time that competition spurs uh, another growth, immense growth in the business? You know, one thing we all can talk about Vince McMahon and how crappy that product is right now, but one thing, and at least historically, uh, excluding the idea that we talked last week about him possibly losing the eye of the tiger. Historically speaking, when Vince McMahon's back is against the wall, when he's got competition pushing him, he comes off with some pretty damn stunning stuff. So let's hope that, uh, you know, like the old saying goes, a rising tide rises all ships. Uh, let's hope that we see that Vince McMahon rear his head back in response 
uh, and and see AEW come out of the gate barnstorming because uh, as a as a fan of the business as a mark of wrestling, I ain't liking what I'm seeing and haven't for some time. So I'm really you know waiting with bated breath to hope that we see uh, that kind of WCW versus WWF Monday Night Wars again. So I'm going to throw this question to both of you because I want to see if you guys have different perspectives on it. First, I'll go to John and then Shane, you give your uh, rebuttal. Do you think that they should go to Monday nights? Honestly, no. Um, And I know people say, oh, well, look at Nitro. When Nitro first debuted, they immediately beat Raw. And then they obviously went back and forth for a couple weeks and then went on that 83-week tear. But to be honest, I feel like if they set forth and did their own night and kind of just did a Tuesday night and let that's the rumor that's supposed to be going to be Tuesday night dynamite. They, they have that uh, trademark for God knows a reason. So obviously it could be Tuesday night uh, dynamite on TNT, which is the, the hot rumor, but I don't know. I feel like you might as well just go Tuesday night right now. I don't know. Monday night uh, at the, uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I just feel like the audience isn't really conditioned for raw anymore i feel like so many people have stopped so why not start fresh on a tuesday night and kind of just create your own night yeah i agree you know monday night is not the juggernaut it used to be uh every time there's a uh a strong monday night football game it seems like it kicks in stats even more uh you know you don't have that seven eight nine million viewers watching uh you know like you did back in the day uh, so yeah, get, get, pick your own day, drill down and, you know, and establish your brand. And if, and when the time comes that there's a reason to go head to head, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in competition, you know, I, in anything, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's what drives an economy. It's what drives, uh, individuals. You know, if, if none of us have to compete against anybody else, we're, we're sort of humdrum. But when somebody else is nipping at our heels, we always improve. Uh, so, again, like I said a second ago, let's see what happens with with this. You know, I, I, again, historically speaking, and the big asterisk is, is that Vince McMahon still around or is he lost an eye of the tiger? Uh, but, you know, one thing about Vince, it doesn't matter if they were on the eighth day of the week. Uh, Vince will see it as competition. So, you know, he's going to have his playful, right? Launching XFL next spring. Uh, you know, it seems like he's already <laughs> launched it in his head because uh, somebody ain't paying attention to the uh, chickens in the hen house, uh, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, you know, let AEW Tuesday be a great night for them. Drill down on it. Build that brand. Uh, you know, the wrestling fans online are buzzing about it. But the population in general has yet to find out about it. So I agree with JP. Uh, let, let's, let's see them get launched, uh, build that brand. Uh, you know, it, it, it's you know, there's so much nostalgia involved here going back on TNT uh, that it, it's going to Like I said earlier, things is about to get damned interesting. Yeah, I'm like, can you imagine if they get a show at 6.05 on a Saturday, too? You know, like a wrap-up show? I mean, if they can go yeah. and, and tap into that, you know, by God era, you know, that that that's that's something that would be very cool. But I'll tell you what, I kind of am leaning towards them going to Monday just because I want to see how bad it would take that eye of the tiger that Vince lost and maybe bring it back. But, you know, when TNA had Hogan and Bischoff come in on that Monday night, 
he went and had Bret Hart <laughs> come back to TV to reconcile with Shawn Michaels, you know, in the middle of the ring. So <laughs> God knows what he would do if if they came to Monday nights versus them going to Tuesday or Wednesday. Because obviously now SmackDown is going to Friday nights, which might as well be, you know, in the abyss. Because my who the hell is watching that on a Friday night? Um, but I don't know. I kind of have a... Uh, I kind of have an inkling maybe they will go for the Monday night just to see what are they going to pull. If they pull, I don't know, a million people away from WWE television, can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine that? If, if they pull a million away, WWE is going to be about 500,000 in the hole. There's right. 500,000 viewers. So, right. Uh, yeah, like I said, things are going to get really interesting. And, uh, you know, and really rightfully so. How many years have I been saying you know, the, the, the industry is ripe for competition. The industry is ripe for somebody to take the keys to the kingdom. And my God, you couldn't have even six months ago predicted WWE as weakened as it is right now. And, you know, the, the exodus of talent leaving to go to AEW. I mean, there's so many parallels to WCW uh, when they launched Nitro. You know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hogan all popping over. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a, it's got a lot of feel of history, but yeah, I like the idea of the 605 thing on Saturday here. One of the things that few people talk about is of all the people that I don't want to keep beating the dead horse. I've talked about these numbers for so long, but the back when there were the 48 to 52 million people watching in this country every week, uh, that 605 Saturday night slot was part of what built that massive audience. Uh, how many people? Uh, I would I would dare say that 100% of wrestling fans, that that massive group that used to watch, at one point or another caught a 605 Saturday Superstation show. Uh, you know, so if they would do that, you know, the the, the drippings of nostalgia all over it, I think, would really excite a lot of those fans that have walked away from sports entertainment and. You know, I, I, I've talked about on this show how many times. I can't blame them. The, the WWE show right now is abysmally bad. It fucking sucks. <laughs> so, time for that competition. And, I, you know, I, for one, want to see AEW really, really rise that tide. And it kind of goes into what I put on the run sheet here in a, a very informative and very educational video that the WWE released about their creative writing uh, process, which I don't know if you're looking at it from a parody perspective. I don't know if you're looking at it from a, like, you know, what do you call it? Like one of those training uh, videos for an incoming employee. Uh, hold on. Are, what? Are you, are you, are you saying parody P A R O D Y or P A R I T Y? Because, I mean, come on. It's, uh, the product that we're watching on television is a direct result. And look, we've all heard the stories about how, you know, Vince tears up the show. I, I, you know, me being me, I would tell him to fuck off and walk out uh, <laughs> doing that. But, uh, you know, I mean, come on, that's, that's, it ain't like suddenly he's, he gets a, a run sheet thrown in front of him an hour beforehand. and hasn't seen any of that stuff all week long. Um, you know, so a lot of sympathy goes out to the guys and, and women that are writing for him <laughs> and putting up with that. But I mean, come on! I mean, just watch the show. It is their writing that is writing this awful show that we're talking about. That's that's reaping these incredibly low numbers. They're numbers that 15 years ago I'd have laughed at you. 
if you'd have told me at one point Raw would be doing these kind of numbers and SmackDown those kind of numbers, uh, yeah, I'd love to be a fly in the wall in Fox's uh, uh, offices right now because I, I guess they're probably starting to sweat a little bit that, that they've got this much money wrapped up in <laughs> in uh, Friday night because man, a lot of that's, whew. Yeah, they're like, uh, hey, uh, what do you mean that Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't wrestle for the WWF anymore? Yeah. You know, like, what What are you yeah. talking about? He retired 15 years ago. But, yeah, so this writer's <laughs> video, if you haven't had a chance to see it, it, it's circulating out there. The funny thing about it is that they published it, but then they unlisted it. So they changed their setting in YouTube where you couldn't directly find it if you hadn't already really seen it. So a lot of people kind of picked up on it. And, you know, myself having worked – in that corporate structure of WWE for a brief time in 2006, I, I don't know if it was a training video. I don't know if it was, like I said, something that was meant to be uh, like a parody, almost like a, uh, you know, one of those like spoof things that they were putting together, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, pop somebody in the office. I don't know if that's what it was. But sometimes <laughs> if you take a few peeks in, and I watched it a couple times, like if, if body language can mean anything to you, you can see how uncomfortable some of these guys really are. And, you know, all they're doing is spewing the same rhetoric that any executive would that they're working for. You know what I mean? It was very robotic. Yeah. It was very, you know, kind of contrived. And it was. It seemed to be very old, too, from the content they were talking about. It seemed like it was a few years in the past they put this together. But... I mean, Shane, you've been backstage, you know, you, you've dealt with writers, you know, it, it just seemed way too uncomfortable just looking at some of these kids and some of these guys and seeing this is a writer's assistant. This is a writer. This is what they do. Kayfabe long gone, but kind of peeling it back. I don't know. Did you feel that uncomfortableness that I kind of felt watching that? Well, you know, a couple, several things popped to mind. I, you know, first of all, you know, remember the story I told about, uh, the day I was up there shooting the vignettes at Dean Douglas and I did the last one with the same exact verbiage, different delivery. Uh, everybody in that room as Vince was called out of the room on a call told me that the last one, the, the one that including Michael Hayes, who I've always respected on his, his uh, you know, his mic skills. Um, you know, everybody in that room said that my way was much better, was compelling as soon as Vince walked back in, every person in that room, 15, 17 people, whatever it was, that had told me that while he was gone, also, yeah, that's what, when Vince said, yeah, I think I like my way better. They said, that's what we told him, Vince. We thought, we thought your way was better. Uh, a bunch of yes people. Uh, so, you know, it's, that's the way it is there. If you don't say yes to Vince, if you raise or broach a subject that Vince doesn't want you to broach or, or uh, feels you shouldn't be broaching, you're liable to get fired. Uh, but, you know, to me, again, like I said, same to a competition, I, you know, anytime I was in any kind of executive position, I wanted people around me to throw me the best stuff they had. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it. But, you know, it's like, you know, when you work with somebody to come up with a match, uh, you know, I would say two heads are better than one. And, you know, if you're the person that's ultimately making the decision, you have veto power over it anyway. And let's face it, Vince does. So what harm, what foul is there if one of those kids comes up with some idea that's really out there that really pushes the envelope, but may suck. Vince could say, shove it up your ass. I'm not going to do it. Or 
it might stimulate something in Vince's cobwebbed head uh, to go, hmm, there's a, there's a nugget of something there, right? We can do something with that. But when you have everybody terrified, as Vince said in that Steve, that now infamous Steve Austin podcast, uh, nobody's reaching for the golden ring. And when Austin replied, well, they're afraid they, if they, if they miss, they'll, and he said, well, then they should reach for the golden ring. Uh, that is Vince speak for don't dare step out of line. <laughs> and everybody that's ever worked there, if you've worked there, you know this. Uh, if you step out of line, you, it's not a maybe. You're going to get your balls cut. Uh, and so you get a bunch of passive kids that are sitting back and waiting and sort of just following whichever way the, the current is flowing. And right now the product is really, really bad, and the ratings are reflecting that. Who's going to step out of that group and come up with something really stunning or pushing the envelope because everybody's afraid to. Um, and the other part of it is that, that just popped into my head is what I, you were posing the question. Uh, I don't know the kid's name. I'm bad with names, but the kid that in February posted, he'd come from ESPN and went on Twitter and said, Hey, I, you know, I can finally announce it. You know, I've got my dream job. going to work for the WWE. And two and a half months later, he walks. Which, uh, you know, that, that is to me incredibly telling, you know, we've all had that dream position. We've, we've, you know, we've yearned for, uh, you know, that, that position you aspire to or profession you aspire to think about, you know, like some kid that's, you know, come up from playing mighty might or midgets football, always aspiring to make it to the NFL gets there, is drafted in the first round. And then two months later, says ah, isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm walking. You can't even ponder it. It's so absurd. And yet there you see it. And so that, I think that speaks volumes uh, at a time when Vince McMahon and the WWE and their product demands something better, especially if they got another company starting up. You got a bunch of kids that are sitting around and, and stymied by the system. That is Vince McMahon. It's uh, it's just funny because I mean, look, that was a dream job at one point, you know. I'm I, I don't really talk about it on the air because it wasn't like it was a uh, you know, a great chunk of my professional career, but nonetheless, going through interviews and going through a huge process to work in the television production department, like I did, you know, in 2006, mind you. I mean, a lot different landscape, you know, now versus then, but. You just you just get that stuffy nature that I feel like doesn't translate well to wrestling. But I got to ask John this because, Shane, I don't know if you noticed it. I don't know if you've, you – you might have seen a couple cameos in the background. You know, there was your Brian, <laughs> Brian James of the world. You know, there was some other guys. Maybe a Michael Hayes, you know, uh, mullet in the background. But, John, <laughs> did you happen to see a cameo by one of the, I think at that point, writer's assistants that was in the uh, the video? Yes, and Shane should have recognized it. Dewey Foley, of all people, writer's assistant. I don't know if he moved up to writer now, but I know he at that point that video was a writer's assistant. So it's interesting to see Dewey Foley is a part of the mix. I do not know his background whatsoever, so I can't say if he's you know good for the position, bad for the position, whatever for the position. But I know he is in that writing room, and I was shocked that Shane didn't notice the young Dewey Foley was in there. Yeah, it, it, well, I haven't seen Dewey, my God, since he was five, six years old. I mean, it's been like forever since I've seen him. Uh, I, you know, when I watch any, anything that I watch from there, it's 
painful <laughs> to sort of like watch it like with one you know with one hair eye eyelash with one eyeball and you know sort of get other stuff done uh but you know it's the, the thing that is surprising to me with that and this is just a side note um you know and i think mick has talked about this publicly uh the way that he was pretty upset when you know vince you know when he was doing the announcing and vince you know, really talked, you know, belittlingly to him in the IFB. Um, you know, anybody that's ever worked for Vince, I don't care if you've gone there and made a gazillion dollars, knows what kind of guy the guy is. And he ain't a fun guy and he ain't a good guy to be around. Um, I, one of the proudest moments of my life was when both my sons moved away from wrestling and went on to their own sports and my <laughs> older son to, to guitar. Now, you know, think about that. I, you know, I'm a former world champion. I have loved being in, in the wrestling industry. But I was so thankful when my kids opted not to want to take that route and do something else. If they did, if, if they ever wanted to do it, I would hold my breath and ho- try to dissuade them. But if they decided that's what they wanted to do, I would teach them everything I could and give them every piece of advice I could. And I'd be proud of them uh, in anything they would try to do. But, you know, that somebody like Mick has been there and, and has been the target of Vince's wrath at times. Uh, I don't know if I would want my son or daughter to be around that, uh, you know, to, to be on the receiving end of that. And I, I know me, I, I wouldn't be able to take it if I saw it or heard about it with my kids. Um so, you know, maybe it's one of those things where Dewey was just so ensconced with, or, or enamored rather, uh, with, uh, you know, getting into that kind of position. I mean, it's face, if you grow up as Mick Foley's son, you're going to be pretty enamored by the uh, idea of, of being around the business. So uh, hopefully he brings some of that Mick Foley creativity with him because, you know, the, again, I, I don't, mean to keep beating his dead horse but every fan listening to me knows what i'm talking about this show has been embarrassingly bad um you know and you know, when you hear the stories of vince tearing up a uh a run sheet that the writers have been working on all week long an hour or two before the program starts you know you know there's one thing i'm expecting the best uh you know uh and, and reaching higher for your employees and been pushing them it, that that's just being a dick, you know, uh, to tear up a run sheet like that. But again, this is not, you know, I understand the process. It's not like these writers go, okay, I'm going to sit over here. I'm going to write this secret stuff over here and throw it at Vince 45 minutes before the, the taping starts. There's a back and forth process that goes on throughout the week. And, uh, you know, these ideas are in front of Vince, you know, pretty much all week long. And, you know, to, to do that to, an hour beforehand, you know, what's the purpose of that? So what were you doing all week long, you know, not giving feedback or approving of everything and then suddenly changing your mind? Uh, that, I would suspect, is probably having a huge impact on the product that we're seeing. And, again, Vince, if you're listening, stop the bullshit because the product sucks. <laughs> So am I correct in my assessment and the rundown that I sent you guys that 
you get the idea that it's the the monkeys with the cigarettes and the typewriters in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you can see it, right? I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just there, there's part of me that is sympathetic and empathetic to the writers, uh, and then there's another part of me that says, "Why don't you just get you know have a spine? Give them one." And there's other jobs out there. If you haven't noticed, the economy is on fire right now. Uh, and there's another company starting up, uh, you know, for God's sake, how much condescension and disrespect should one human being take? Uh, you know, we've all been in those positions where you had to at some point. But I remember one time years ago, I was at the Sheraton or the Hilton by the LaGuardia airport. I was down at the bar getting something to eat. And, uh, I saw a group of businessmen you know, standing you know, 10, 15 feet away from me. And at first there were like, you know, like four or five of them were drinking. And then all of a sudden the one guy who must've been the boss just started tearing into one, the one guy. I mean, and went on and on and on. I mean, everybody in the bar could hear him and the guy just took it and took it. I kept sitting there thinking like, dude, fire spit in that fucker's face. I mean, come on, how much of this is going to take? Uh, you know, you're a man before you're anything else. And, and uh, you know, if somebody's being that disrespectful to you, how much respect do they have for you? Uh, you know, do you, if they're going to scream at you and belittle you like that for a prolonged period of time in public, you really think they're giving a shit about any idea you come up with tomorrow, next week, or next month? Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. And, you know, so if the WWE writers are here and listening, uh, when he tears that thing up, get up and shake his hand, thank him for the opportunity and tell him to fuck off. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the, the condescension and disrespect, uh, I just don't see a place for that in a professional workplace. If I have a problem with somebody as a writer, I'm going to pull them aside and I'm going to tell them what the problem is. Tell them I expect better to, to improve their game. If they continue to do it, I will then pull them aside and say, your services are no longer needed. Thank you. Uh, but what is their game by you screaming at somebody or tearing up a paper an hour before? It's almost like a childish uh, temper tantrum. You know, like I'm going to hold my breath over here and turn blue because you didn't <laughs> give me what I wanted, even though I say it's, it's bizarre to me. Absolutely bizarre. Well, you know, when you see it, you kind of get like a, you know, you think, you know, you have a perception of who's sitting there writing wrestling, you know, like I said, you saw Freebird, Michael Hayes, so you think of, you know, the Freebird, the Jack Daniels drinking, you know, all these like, these yeah. legendary guys, you know, the Road Dog, you know, you didn't know, you know, the, the, the Attitude Era, so, yeah. jo so John, I gotta ask this one to John here, when you look at the guys in the room, and I'm not calling anybody on the carpet here, I wouldn't necessarily say some of these guys are some of the more cooler guys i've ever laid eyes on before but john do you think that's a little bit of you know some of the uh the the plain factors here into what's written you know is the, is the cool factor gone with some of these guys honestly that was the first thing when i watched the video when i first maybe you know do we fully aside but when i watched the video the first thing i thought i was like wow all these guys are such dorks and obviously not road dog <laughs> either but i was like my god i was like holy crap these are the guys writing tv they are really like dorky my god and then you hear the story of like you know them following around alexa bliss like a puppy dog and and uh, the woman writer who works there 
Um, she brought her Emmy and, and set it down at the table for one of the meetings, her daytime <laughs> Emmy. It's like, like, man, these people are so uh, not what you want or expect for a wrestling writer. And it's so weird that you don't have to have a background in wrestling to be a writer for wrestling. I, I just didn't get that for most yeah. of those guys. It doesn't make sense. You have to have some sort of knowledge of wrestling to write wrestling because it's not like writing normal tv there's a little bit more psychology to it there's a little bit more sure you know ca- character building for each guy let's say you got 50 guys in the roster 50 guys have to have a character and they have to be built up to something each week these guys are clueless and shane you know i hate to say it, but i think you probably agree they came off pretty dorky <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah you said a little bit i would disagree you, you, uh, that, that's everything you know it's when I was, like Steve Austin and I talked about on his podcast, uh, we both agreed it took both of us about seven years before we started. We, that, we didn't master it at seven years. We were comfortable, getting comfortable at seven years. If you'd have told me on year two or three uh, or four or five or six, okay, now you're going to write Monday Night Raw, I'd have shit a turd. Uh, I would have had no idea how to go about doing that. I would have muddled my way through the best I could, but you know, let's say you don't get to be Harley Race without being Harley Race and putting the time in. Uh, you've got to understand what being in the ring is. You know, every wrestler that's ever been in the ring and ever drawn money knows what I'm talking about right now. There's always that time in the match where uh, you get jarred, thrown a little bit, you know, the, 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 the mat is a little bit stiffer than you expected. You get kicked a little harder than they, than, than they wanted. Uh, you get blown up. Uh, and you can't stay, hold on, stop time out. I'm going to go over and take a little breather because you know, I've got cobwebs knocked in my head or I'm, I'm blown up over here. You've got to deliver the goods. You've got to take it home and you, you can't just say, okay, well, let's just wrap it up and just, I'm going to lay down every touch. Come pin me because I'm blown up. You've got to deliver the goods. Like Bill Watts used to say, you've got to entertain the fans. I pay you to entertain the fans. Uh, and if you didn't, you'd get your check and it would say Pittsburgh minus 500 because you didn't entertain the fans that night. Uh, yeah, and if you haven't been in that situation, if you've never had a pair of boots on and you've never been in that situation, or, you know, another one is, you know, the, the guy you're working with, your opponent gets hurt or you get hurt. Again, you can't say, oh, stop the match. You know, my knees hurt over here. I'm going to time out. We're going to stop this one here. Um, you know, you've got to be able to figure out how to think fast on your feet and, and you know, deliver. What, what are, you know, if you're in the middle of a heat, you can't just say, say, suddenly say, okay, blow the comeback now because you haven't set the table right. It's not time for the comeback. Uh, but if you've never been in the ring, if you've never had boots on, and never been in any of those situations, how in God's name could you possibly write it for me? Uh, you can't. The short answer is, an immediate answer is, you cannot. And that is what we're seeing now. Like I've said before, all this time, I don't know what, what I'm doing. I should be sending my resume to Hollywood. And surely I can write the next Friends or the next Seinfeld. I mean, I've been a pretty damn successful wrestler all these years. Uh, and everything there is to know about the wrestling business so surely that must mean I could write a, a, a sitcom. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't see the connections. And again, we're, we're now seeing this play out before. I think you were able to get by some of that because you had 
guys that had and women, you know, that really got everybody understands what I say the boys are the guys. I mean everybody in the dressing room. Um but you had a very talented roster of people. You know, so you look at you know, say like when uh Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and you know, that whole group was there. Those guys were all well seasoned, broken in the old territories, most of them, uh, had put in hundreds and hundreds of days per year on the road and were well-seasoned, well-worn veterans. Uh, now you've got a lot of kids that haven't had that experience, and they're being written uh, by people that have never been in the ring. Uh, some of them haven't even watched. I suspect the lady with the Emmy hadn't been a wrestling fan long. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, she's got an Emmy for writing, so that must mean you can write a wrestling show. It's... Uh, <laughs> I honestly God don't don't see the connection. And I think the product again, as we're seeing it, we're now beginning to see why we're getting a peek behind the curtain, right? The guy behind the curtain. And now it's making perfect sense as to why that show is a business. Now on top of all that, uh, you now add in that for that young talent, I'm gonna sanitize I'm gonna straitjacket them because I'm not gonna let them go out and be creative in their promos. Uh, I'm not going to let them really know their character because now everything is a a storyline written by a writer who has zero experience of being in the ring. So like I've talked before about the franchise character, a fictional guy. Uh, But I could tell you this guy would vote in the next presidential election, what kind of liquor he would drink, uh, what kind of food he would order for dinner tomorrow night. Because I've voiced that guy out both in my head and on camera and out of my mouth. So the franchise is very real in my head. I don't need to ask you guys to write a storyline for me or to write a line or what, you know, what kind of beer would the franchise drink tomorrow night, guys, in Richmond. Uh, I, I know that because I've voiced this guy out. So now you've got these kids doing teleprompters with stuff being written by these people who have never been in the ring. They don't even know their characters. All they know is that if you ask them what kind of beer they would drink, they would say, well, what does the writer say? What does the teleprompter say? Uh, they don't know. So you you throw all that together, you've got a mix. To be quite honest with you, I think they're doing incredibly well with the, the scant two million that they've been able to maintain and dropping. Uh, I'm surprised it's not zero uh, with all that stuff in there. Um, and I, I think the only reason they have that uh, as abysmal as those numbers are, that they still have any audience is simply based off the fact of the nostalgia of wrestling and the uh, part of it being the cultural fabric in this country. Still, believe it or not, even though it's been many, many years, uh, that there are still a lot of people that remember those glory years of wrestling. It's one of the reason I still have those, those people. Uh, you know, I, I hear them, and you'll hear them this weekend in Richmond at the TMPT Con. The fans, and I know it's not as good as it used to be, but I still watch because I'm just a fan. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, again, it, you know, if, if Mr. Khan is listening, well, you've got a hell of an opportunity to literally steal the keys to the kingdom. And if Vince is listening, uh, he might want to start figuring out a different way about going about his business because it's clearly not working. And, you know, you, you throw all this stuff into a blender. The stuff that I just mentioned, it, 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 does it surprise anybody? 
that we're seeing these numbers and surprise anybody that the show's that bad. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked that it's that the guys even how to put their boots on with the, the way it's being done. Changing gears just a little bit, obviously, we'll stick on WWE, and we'll talk about WWE superstar Lars Sullivan, a.k.a. The Freak. Now, he used to frequent these bodybuilding message boards many years ago on this forum. He would freely basically post comments about a number of topics, whether it be wrestling, talking about storylines, pushes, making fun of Vince, uh, saying Vince doesn't like this and Vince <laughs> doesn't like that, and things like that, but... Uh, he basically had a lot of social commentary on other topics, such as rape, race, religion, different kind of things like that. Now, I don't know if you caught any of this or saw any of this, but now WB is cracking yeah. down on him. They're, I believe they fined him like a hundred grand, which is just insane to think about that amount of money of a fine for something he said years ago. But what, what was your whole take on this? I mean, is it crazy that we're looking back on it, or is it crazy that he said all this stuff? Well, both, uh, really. I mean. You know, I'm I'm one of these old farts that didn't grow up with computers and social media, right? So, uh, but but even I know, like it's probably not a wise idea to go on there and and say certain things to speak your mind freely because, um, but you know, this gets into this whole point, and, and I'm gonna you know push the parameters of this question out a little bit. You know, right now we're seeing all the censorship starting to go. They can call it, you know, stopping hate speech, whatever the hell they want to call it. It's censorship. Um, you know, as you guys know, I'm, a, I'm an absolute stalwart of the First Amendment. Uh, how many times I've said, yeah, I, I, you must give me the right to be able to speak my mind. And you have the right to walk away and say, you know what, we, we don't want to do a podcast with that Shane Douglas guy anymore. He's, he's crazy. Uh, or he's got a big mouth, or he, you know, says some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, but you cannot censor me. And to me, when you start fining people a hundred thousand dollars for stuff they said a long time ago, regardless of how disgusting many of those things he said were, um, you know, so then who gets to decide? You know, is you know this word. Really, really bad. That one's going to get fined 100000 But this word is distasteful. That one's not quite as bad. So we'll just fine you 10000 for that one. I mean, who becomes the, the word cop? Who gets to decide? Um, if, if it's going to be me, I'm all for it. Let, let Shane Douglas be the policeman that gets to decide who can say what, and he can say anything he wants because he's the cop that decides, right? Uh, no. First Amendment rights must be absolute. Um, now the other part of this is, I, I don't know how old Lars is, but why in God's name would you say some of that stuff in public? I mean, you know, there, there's times when I'm walking down the street and I see somebody dressed, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. And you want to say, Hey dude, like nice outfit. Right. But you don't, but you don't want to start a fight on the street and you don't, you know, you don't want to be overtly rude. Uh, there's just times you say things and times you don't. That little mechanism in the back of your brain that says, like, do or don't. And, and everybody knows there's been times in my career where that mechanism hasn't actually been functional. Um, but, you know, again, I'm, I, I, as I read back on some of the things you said, I was shocked that a, you know, a younger guy would you know, say that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter what you think, but to come out and say it and then say it in a public forum like that. It's one thing to say, you know, in a corner 
you know, to your buddies or, you know, one-on-one conversation, but to, to say it on social medias. Uh, but again, the flip side of that is now we're seeing Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google, um, you know, all these places now cracking down on this. And, you know, for anybody that's thought like Alyssa Milano would say, that's great. I love them doing this. Okay. It's great right now for you because you don't like what those other people are saying. But how long, if they're doing it to them now, how long is before they say, well, you know, Alyssa Milano, we think you're being a little bit hate, hate uh, speech with what you're saying. So now we're going to shove you off too. Um, you can't do it. You know, because again, it becomes a slippery slope. And who gets to decide? Who gets to be the arbiter? Um, I've not ever met a human being yet that doesn't have an agenda of one sort or another. We all do. Uh, There's some things that I love that that other people would abhor and things that they love that I would abhor. But we must all be given the right, as long as we're not slandering or libeling somebody, to say those things. As disgusting as they may be, that is the reason for the First Amendment. Now, the first moment of the level of last was saying uh, you have a freedom of speech as long as everybody likes what you're saying. Uh, freedom of speech, it's an all or nothing proposition. And to me, it's, it, it sends a shiver down my spine when I see these massive companies like Facebook and, and Twitter and, and these places that really are, you know, steer the, the public discern uh, discourse uh, because of that. So now suddenly you can't go on there and speak your mind because you've been pegged as being a hate speech by somebody or some algorithm uh, in Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you know, have your rights not been lessened? Um, you know, this, this is a, a really big topic. Like I tell my sons all the time, your generation has a hell of a fight ahead because I, I, I wrote an email out earlier today to my buddies and I said, uh, remember in high school, we read George Orwell's 1984. We all laughed at it. This is ridiculous. It's absurd. Nobody can ever do this. Nobody can listen to everything. And, you know, overseas, you'd have to have a, you know, a billion people to watch a billion people at least. Um, but now we see with these programs like the hammer that we're hearing about, uh, you know, in this last week or two, uh, by the CIA, uh, that they literally are listening in everything uh everybody listening to this has probably been eavesdropped on their phones or worse uh when you're getting out of the shower or making love to your to your partner uh how do you know that somebody's not looking in that through the the camera on your phone or on your computer across the uh, room uh that's what our government is now doing and you know as you start to ponder this Orwell's 1984 has become reality. What we laughed at in 1983, 82, uh, has now become reality. And for the younger people that don't realize how absolutely dangerous that is, and I think this whole discussion with Lars is is, is uh, complementary to that, because you know now it's a question of yeah we we all find a lot of what he said disgusting, but. You know, Vince finding him, to me, just has a, a smack of censorship. You know, like, uh, you know, Nazi Germany, the real Nazi Germany, not, not Nazis as defined by today's kids. Um, 
they would listen into the phone calls. Uh, neighbors were spying on neighbors. Uh, you couldn't come out and say that you thought Hitler was a jackass, even though he probably, I'm sure millions of Germans thought that. Uh, but they couldn't say that because if they did, they might end up with a bullet in the back of their head. Uh, the same thing we saw in Soviet Russia, uh, the Soviet Union, um, with uh, the TASS News Agency. You know, the, surprisingly, the TASS News Agency came out every day and said very complimentary things about the communist government. Uh, and nobody ever went on there and said anything even a little bit negative to the government because censorship. Uh, you know, so for anybody that thinks right now that they're thrilled because uh, Alex Jones has been banned, and you know maybe rightfully so uh, in many people's eyes, but as, as soon as he's banned, who's next? Uh, will it be Alyssa Milano or somebody else from the other side that you know? Again, who gets to decide this? And when you boil it down to that, uh, you know I'll. I'll Beckon back to something one of my professors said. We had two professors in the political science department at Bethany. One had worked in the EPA under Jimmy Carter, very liberal, very left. Uh, the other was uh, on Reagan's transition team, two and a half years of the National Security Council. Uh, was right of center. Uh, and at the time, uh, Reagan was president and was pushing for the line item veto, where a president could then strike out portions of a bill instead of the whole thing. And I got into a vehement argument one day with the professor, the liberal professor, saying, you know, with the deficits and everything else, it's absolutely crucial. You know, you, you'll see somebody attach a, an amendment to, say, a road bill that has something to do with chimpanzees or tsetse flies or something, just not even related. And uh, the president right now and throughout history is only be able to sign the whole bill or veto the whole bill. And... She said something to me that it, it echoed in my brain a million times since. She said, you want that now because your guy's in the White House. But imagine if Jimmy Carter was back in the White House <laughs> or the next time there's a Jimmy Carter in the White House. Imagine him having the same power. So, you know, for everybody that's that's lauding the censorship on social medias right now and thinks it's a great thing. Well, what happens when they change people or the, 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 the flow in the country changes? And suddenly your side is the target of that censorship. Speech must be absolute. And what I think we're seeing with this kid, Lars, uh, just smacks to me of censorship. I'm not supporting anything the guy has said. I'm saying that he must have the right to say it and not be fined for it. I mean, I, you know, where, where does it end? You know, I've, I've heard Vince say some pretty outlandish things. Does he find himself for that? I'm guessing probably not. Uh, so, you know, really slippery slope. I'm not talking about protecting uh, slander or libel or anything like that, but everything, even the controversial stuff that people say must be protected. The sponsors were acknowledging and contacting, uh, commenting on it. Mars said something on it. Uh, it seemed like a lot of the snowflakes were out in, in you know, in droves saying, you know, <laughs> Hey, they, you know, they hate him. Uh, they demand he be, be fired, should be suspended, all, all this crazy stuff. I mean, it was many years ago. Obviously, yeah. what he said he said was very stupid. Some of it came off when I was reading it, very attention-seeking. Like, he was looking for some sort of attention. 
I heard that he has mm-hmm. a lot of social anxiety issues, all of this and that. So he did himself issue an apology. One thing that, you know, I haven't really ever mentioned this before, but there's a former WWE legend that we know very, very well. All three of us know very, very well. He told me that he was brought in specifically to help. This is a few months ago. Uh, as they're bringing Lars Ulrich, uh, Lars Ulrich, uh, Lars Sullivan up uh, <laughs> through the thing. Yeah, as they're bringing him up, they brought in this specific legend because they wanted him to be a mentor and a tutor to him because Vince really liked Lars a lot, and he's and he's going to invest a lot in him, and he's going to get this big push, which obviously we're slowly seeing you know, with the freak gimmick and doing this and beating everybody up yeah. and intimidating Vince backstage. So do you think that with with having said that, do you think that Vince is almost like, all right, you have to issue an apology. All right, I have to find you, but you're still getting a push. I still like you. We're, you know, we're, you're full steam ahead. Do you think it's almost a little bit of fakeness on Vince's part and, and yeah. that it's not truly a real find? It's not truly he's mad at him? So yeah, to speak? absolutely. Because, look, what does everybody do today, right? It's, you know, somebody's out and does something they – uh, say something, you know, that uh, many people find offensive. Maybe the next day, uh, you know, they're on Twitter or something. You know, I, I apologize for my comments, not how I really feel. It, it just, uh, the apologies now seem so disingenuous because like, I always thought, like, if, if you're really sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. Right. <laughs> um, you know, yep. again, let, let that mechanism kick in. Um, but now it becomes like you go out and no matter what you do or say, now all you have to do is go on Twitter and say, hey, Sorry, I said those things, guys. It's not really how I feel. Uh, I don't really know. Okay, we, we like you again. Um, it's uh, you know, it, I I, it, I just I, I'm literally tongue tied because when I'm looking at this stuff, it is the bizarro world to me. Uh, you know, where are the people screaming like you said for Vince to fire him? If Vince was really miffed and pissed at what he said, he'd have fired him. And, mm-hmm. and shown the world, WWE doesn't condone that kind of uh, commenting or that kind of uh, hate speech or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so you, you throw this fine. I'd I'd be curious to find out if the fine's even real. You know, if right. Vince is yes. like yep. buttered him like a you know I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollar raise so I can find you a hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's like the you know the buy one get one free at the grocery store, right? You go chicken breast is usually a dollar ninety nine, but it suddenly jumps to four ninety nine when they have the buy one get one free sale. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I I don't know. I, I just think we're in such a bizarre place right now that uh, you know when you keep on mincing you know the the, the corners of the Constitution. And you keep on saying, well, we're going to move over here, move over there. Just, you know, we don't like this. So we're going to do whatever. There's a, there's a really simple way. Well, it's not simple, but there's a really uh, specific way. If you don't like something in that constitution, you can amend it. And the founding fathers and their brilliance made it difficult. Uh, two thirds of states must legislatures must pass it, must pass it. And then two thirds of the states vote on it and they must pass it. Uh, it's why the uh, EPA, the Equal Rights, the uh, ERA, uh, Equal Rights uh, Amendment, never passed because the, the, the states couldn't muster the votes for it. Uh, we saw one time in our history with prohibition uh, when they passed the 18th Amendment and then had to pass another amendment a couple of years later because it was such a debacle that they couldn't stop it. And it gave the rise to you know, organized crime and all of that. And, and so, you know, there's a lesson to be learned in that. 
you know, we should change that constitution very, very sparingly and very, very carefully when we do, uh, because like the old saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, uh, but you don't necessarily get the intended outcome. Uh, but, you know, when you start, the, the reason that, that the freedom of speech is, is the very first one and the very first amendment of the Bill of Rights is because the founding fathers knew how precious that had to be protected, how preciously that had to be protected. And now we're seeing, well, you know, Twitter decides what you say is hate speech. We're going to kick you off. And this one's going to, we, 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 we're going to, you know, throw off for a week and slap them on the wrist. And this one we really don't like, so we're going to bar him forever. Uh, again, who gets to be that cop? Uh, you know, it's, uh, somebody defined me, what is hate speech? Because what you might find is hate speech, I may not. What I find is hate speech, you guys may not. Uh, but who gets to be the final arbiter of that? And, you know, again, there's laws in place, slander and libel. If I come out and say JP's a child molester or a drug pusher or something, he can sue me uh, because he's not been convicted of any of those crimes or even accused of any of those crimes. So I've slandered him and I've libeled him and I've done it in a public forum. Uh, so he can take my ass to court and sue me for a boatload of money. Uh, that's what keeps people from doing that kind of stuff. Not the fear that I may say something that somebody else may or may not. So, you know what? I better just not say it at all. I'll just keep it to myself and I won't speak my mind because out of fear of getting fired, getting fined, getting, uh, uh, censored or blocked from one of the social media sites um man for everybody listening to this we have a major major issue with this first amendment rights must be kept sacred and not decided by some technocrat in silicon valley you know vince we've said he might have lost his eye of the tiger and we have dabbled in saying that he may have issued a fake fine to uh, Lars Sullivan for a slap on the wrist for past comments. But I bet you if he stood in front of the stockholders and they said, well, you're going to hold this guy accountable for what he said? Vince would say, ha, 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 of course I am. I've hired the Canadian Mounties to come down and take him right to the big <laughs> boss, man, and we're going to send him right to where he needs to go. He'll just pull the old delusional yeah. Vince card on everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's... uh you, you got to start to wonder in this bizarro place that, that the world is right now, you know, are those investors now that they see Vince's numbers weakening, uh, even though the stock has sort of leveled out a little bit, you know, it's, you know, what, uh, let's just look at some possibilities. Let's say they launch on Fox and instead of three and a half million viewers that I don't think they're ever going to get, uh, <laughs> let's say they launch with 500,000 viewers. And they maintain three fifty to five hundred thousand in the months after that. Uh, do those and first of all, what they're going to do to the stock? Um, it's got to have a, a deleterious effect on the stock. And at what point will those institutional investors start to get a little bit skittish, and then start to look at stuff like this? And say, well, geez, you didn't fire that guy back. And I, I, please don't. I'm not advocating anybody being fired for stuff they said especially a long time ago even as absurd as some of those several of those things Lars said were um but you know it's uh 
it's it's just it's honest God, it scares the shit out of me when I hear stuff like because you know if if you can't speak your mind, then America ceases to be America. Crazy. Well, we'll see what happens with uh, with Lars and see if he comes back to TV and see if they either neuter the character, change it up, make him you know a comedy. Uh, act now that could be the rib he could end up being a comedy guy and that could be the punishment and no 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 you know no no he, he's gonna be all better now they're gonna send him to sensitivity training so, <laughs> so, he'll, so he'll, yeah like, what, like is that like going to the gulag like you you know like you, you go there and you get you walk out and you say ah, the, the state is great the communist government is wonderful uh it, it's like it's like do they hypnotize you at sensitivity training do they uh they give you electroshock therapy. I mean, what exactly goes on in sensitivity training uh, that suddenly makes you such a different person after than before? Do you know, I don't know if you know the, the story behind this, but do you know John Heidenreich? Yes. Okay, so John Heidenreich, when he was originally going to be brought in, <laughs> was managed by Paul Heyman and was supposed to be a Nazi that was uh, frozen and thawed out and returning now uh, to uh, wreak havoc on the wrestling world. So that was the original plan for John Heidenreich. How is that much different than what <laughs> Lars might have been talking about online? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's, uh, uh, well, you know, the, of course, if Vince were on this conversation, he'd say, well, that was just a, a fake a fake character we created. <laughs> Besides, every Marvel comic book fan knows that that's just a direct counter ripoff of, of Captain America, come on. That's the best you can come up with? Jesus, God. You you definitely need new writers and that's what you're coming up with. Creative genius. Creative genius. Just, <laughs> just ask him. But, look, you know, we'll see what happens again. It's still developing. He might be off TV. He might not be. We don't know. But all we do know is, Shane, as we wrap up here, it's the big TMPT Con 3. We've been talking about it for months. And now it's finally here, finally coming this weekend. I'm just going to run down the full list of attendees for the festivities coming this weekend. So obviously it's Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. Hold on, hold on. Before, oh. before you go any further, uh, you got to do this right now. you got to take a great big deep breath and you're going to go through every <laughs> name without taking a breath. <laughs> no, I'm going to pace myself because I don't want to forget anybody. I want to give the, <laughs> the big pitch. So obviously it's the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. So this is the only time you're going to be able in the state of Virginia to meet Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, and Stan Lane together. So obviously, you know, that that's a pretty rare occurrence as it is, but this and, is your and, chance. And this will be the only chance in, in, in the state of Virginia to meet Stan Lane and his perfectly white, beautiful teeth. He's got the <laughs> prettiest teeth in all of wrestling. <laughs> And some of the best stories, too. He told us some great ones on our, uh, our interview yeah, with him. He's, yeah, he's great. A few weeks back. When you get broken in by Ric Flair in the uh, the mid-'80s, you know, that's, uh, that's, a hell, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's a hell of a time. But then also, come on, you can't have a Midnight Express anniversary without the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, that's and right. Robert Gibson representing the Four Horsemen. James J. Dillon will also be in attendance. And then we get a little oh, bit yeah. more extreme as we have – our good, old, our good old franchise here with Francine for the first time ever in a wrestling environment in the city of Richmond, Virginia. Still crazy. Can't believe that it never happened before, but Shane and Francine together in Richmond. And then to throw in an extreme championship list 
of the Sandman, Just Incredible, and Jerry Lynn. Three rare appearances for them as well in that part of Virginia. It's just, if you haven't seen these guys, you want to get your encyclopedia signed, now is the time. So also, let's run down a little bit more. Getting back into the JCP NWA days. Baby Doll. So everybody knows the history right. of Baby Doll and Jim Cornette. Come on, you can't miss this opportunity to meet Baby Doll. And then from the world of Glow, you've got Gremlina. So I'm not very familiar with Glow. I remember it, but Gremlina playing a vital part of the later years of Glow. And then how about these two guys? Brian Hebner and the legendary Earl Hebner. Also, Richmond's own Brian Hebner and Earl Hebner will be in attendance. Uh, Viceland just aired the documentary on the Montreal Screwjob. Earl Hebner played, obviously, a huge part in that and has been in the news because of that. Also signing recently with AEW. So Earl Hebner, uh, always on the uh, the tongues of the wrestling world. He will be in Richmond this coming Saturday. Now, our final guy that I want to mention here before, actually, we want to throw out Dominic. Dominic DiNucci will be there as well. You mentioned that earlier. But I want to throw our last guest here. And this is somebody doing the crack research that we like to do on this show. On November 17th, 1990, you wrestled this man on a Superstars of Wrestling Dark Match. Another very rare appearance of Boris Zukov in attendance at TMPT Country. Great. I haven't seen Boris in years and years. It'll be great to see him. So, yeah, a very rare appearance for him. He does not get the opportunity to get out on the road. He could be, again, you know, the heels are always the nice guys. One of the nicest men we have ever dealt with, either in interviewing for the show and also off the air, just the the most kind gentleman who now, Shane, I'm going to see if you can recognize him because he's grown out his hair. He's got a very long beard. So if you can find Boris Zukov in the room, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll give you an extra treat. With that Logan? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for that noggin out there, you, I mean, you, you know, no, I, I'm looking forward to, it, uh, to seeing Boris. I haven't seen Boris, God Almighty, I, I can't remember the last. It's been years and years, and like you said, he's such a great guy. Uh, it'll be great to see him there, man. That, that, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and hey, listen, if you haven't made your plans, get down to Richmond, Virginia. We're at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road. You can head over to tmptofwrestling.com for all the rest of the information, or you can head to brownpapertickets.com. We're going to be cutting the pre-sales off by midday tomorrow. It's a kind of automatic thing. It's just going to cut it off on its own. Uh, But just so looking forward to this event uh, to be followed by a full Jim Cornette experience. So Cornette's going to be let loose in a hotel to say what he wants. So God knows if we're either going to be uh, kicked out on our fannies or uh, people are going to be coming back for more. We don't know. It's only time going to be telling. So, Shane, whew, man, it's going to be. Hold on. <laughs> let, me, let me throw one thing in there. Please, somebody, it's a Jim Cornette experience. Please, somebody ask him what he thinks of uh, President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. And trust me, you will, you will get to see the James E. Cornette of, of old. And uh, maybe even have a heart attack or a stroke if you bring it up, because he ain't a very big fan of the president. So uh, you could just like pull the donkey's tail. 
Yeah, please make sure there's that there's no children surrounding you when you do that. Okay, yeah. take a little yeah. bit, yeah. Uh, take a little bit of a look around the room and look for any of the little ones uh, that might be floating <laughs> around. Because uh, uh, hey, last year it was one of the best feelings that I saw last year was some of the little guys that were running around the room, you know, getting autographs and seeing guys that you know maybe they had watched, you know, on on the WWE Network or found a DVD or a video of and got to see them live and in person. You know, to the credit of some of the guys, just. It, when you see the interactions with the, the little kids and the, the superstars, there's no better feeling than that. So obviously we want to create some great memories. We want you to join us. If you want to reach out to us, please reach out on Twitter at the franchise SD at two man power trip at wrestling pal or at the three threat pod, share your pictures from the weekend. If you can going to be taking some video while we're down there, maybe post that on Twitter, post that on YouTube Again, you know, can't say enough. Just looking forward to it. Hope it's going to be a fun weekend. Shane, looking forward to seeing you as always. So if you can, we know know where you're going to be this weekend. So if you want to take us out now, take us out in the only way the franchise can. And this is it, TMPT Con 3, the third big one, taking Richmond by storm. The March to the Seer was at Atlanta. Uh, This will be the first time the Queen of Extreme, Francine, and the franchise will be in Richmond together with all of our extreme brothers. Looking forward to it. 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express. Dominic DiNucci, real wrestling legend. This is the convention to come see because it's only going to happen once a year. So make sure you're there or get your ass franchised. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.